Allison, you okay? <laughs> Good. So happy to be here. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. Really, really happy and really excited to speak to you. Um, Alison, if um, my community aren't aware of the amazing work you've already did, uh, done already, I believe you're a New York Times bestseller, is that correct? Yeah, for my first book that I, I co-wrote with my comedy partner, it was a YA novel called I Hate Everyone But You. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, firstly, congratulations. That's amazing. And secondly, um, yeah, your new book looks fantastic. And um, just for the community, if you can just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your mental health journey, why you wrote this book specifically, and any experience you've had with anxiety and relationships. Yeah, so um, I've had OCD since I was four years old. So mm. mental health has pretty much always been a part of my life. And I didn't realize for a long time how much, you know, my mental health and my anxiety and OCD were really affecting my romantic relationships. But I struggled to date in a healthy way for a really long time. I, you know, dating brought out the worst parts of me. Um, I felt a lot of times like I was out of control, like I wasn't being my best self, but I didn't know how to fix that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, a few years ago, I noticed that I was really showing up in a different way in romantic relationships that I had better coping skills. I was more secure in myself. I was just able to express things about myself in a clearer way, like especially, you know, how like my OCD and anxiety mm -hmm. manifest so that my partners weren't as confused. Um, mm -hmm. and I, back in 2019, I thought, well, this is really interesting. This feels like something that might be relatable to other people. Um, you know, I came up on the internet, I have a YouTube channel that's now a podcast called Just Between Us. And I've always talked about mental health and relationships on there. And so I thought, you know, this feels like a bigger project. This feels like deserves a book. Um, and so I started working on it. I really blew it out. It's not just my own story. I have a lot of expert interviews. I talked to couples, um, really, you know, my attempt to kind of give people a roadmap for how to navigate these relationships when you have anxiety, OCD, and or depression, but I've gotten some wonderful feedback that it's helpful even if you don't, you know, have those diagnosed disorders as well. Yeah, so I was lucky enough to receive the book, which is here, which and it looks fantastic, by the way. And I think that's the great part about the book as well, is that it's not only your memoir, so your story, there's also great self-help uh, tips in there and lots of advice from professionals all across the board, yeah? Definitely, yeah. There's a lot of expert interviews with different mental health professionals, with psychiatrists, with a sexologist. Also, I interview some dating coaches, you know, just for some more broadly based like dating advice, um, how to productively date, because I think that's a thing a lot of people struggle with is, you know, if, if you're not dating productively, then you're having a lot of bad experiences, which means that you're probably dreading dating or have a really negative interaction with dating. And then with anxiety it can mean that you avoid it or it causes you to have some sort of spiral. So I really wanted it to give some guidance on how to do it in a healthier and more productive way. Fantastic. And just going back to your OCD diagnosis, you said you got diagnosed at the age of four. Is that correct? How did that come about? Because obviously that's very young to be diagnosed. Uh, what was standing out for your parents at the time to firstly go and have like um, the examination to see what's going on? And how did you get the diagnosis? Yeah, so I had something called pandas, um, which basically means I had a strep throat infection. 
that kind of activated the OCD in my brain. So my behavior after the strep throat, like it took maybe a couple of weeks, but it um, changed drastically. So it was very obvious to my parents that something was really wrong. Um, I believe I was like, said to my dad, I need to see a doctor, something inside of me is making me sad. So right. it was really clear that that things were not good. And I was really lucky, you know, because this was like the early 90s, mid 90s, um, when mental health was not as talked about as it is now. And my parents were proactive about it. They recognized that it was a real problem, that it wasn't just in my head that I needed help. And, and they got me in therapy and got me on medication. Fantastic. So um, from the age of four, they got you into therapy then, was it? Yeah, so I've been in and out of therapy, on and off of meds pretty much ever since then. Well, well that's a wonderful story of recognizing it at such an early age. And then, like you say, putting them interventions in place. Uh, that's great. Uh, got a few questions from the community. Uh, there was lots of questions. Hopefully, we'll be able to answer some because I can see the question boxes popping up as well. Um, but, yeah, I'm just going to dive into them, Alice, and they're really good questions. I can't wait to hear your insight on them. Um, the first one is, have you ever been in a relationship where you were dismissed for anxiety? This is happening to me, and do you have any, any advice on what I can do? So something that's really important if you're somebody who, who struggles with your mental health in any way is having an empathetic partner, right? And so there are going to be some people out there that can understand that even if what you're going through doesn't make logical sense, because a lot of times anxiety doesn't make logical sense, mm -hmm. it feels real to you, and therefore it is valid. Um, some partners need some help to get there, right? So sometimes people might just not understand anxiety. They might just not really have a baseline for it. They haven't, they don't experience it. They don't really have anyone in their life that experiences it. Maybe you're their first interaction with that. But what's really important is being able to explain it to your partner and then them being able to receive that information. So, you know, being able to say like, I get that this isn't logical, but again, this is an anxiety disorder. That's why it's a disorder because it's not based in reality and because it causes life and so a sign of a good partner is someone who can say okay like that's not my personal experience but if this is how you are feeling and this is how you relate to the world I need to honor that and it can be really hard to be with someone who doesn't have the capacity or interest to do that mm. so if you're picking up that your partner dismisses your anxiety belittles it makes you feel shame about it you know, our mental health is our responsibility. It doesn't mean that like, oh, we have an intense anxiety mode and therefore that's fine and we shouldn't do any work to get better. We absolutely should always be doing work to try to get better for ourselves and our relationships. But you need a partner who understands that you're putting in the work and that what you need is support and not judgment. What would your advice be then for the people um, in the chat who may have a partner that's not empathetic and they have anxiety. Um, would you say there's a workaround that you can come to to try and obviously make the relationship healthier by being open, speaking about anxiety? Or would you say that they're not the go, even though it's the partner, that they're not the go-to person to speak to them about it? I think you have to ask yourself, what kind of life do you want to have? You know, do you want to have a life with a partner who doesn't understand you and doesn't try to understand you, right? Mm. Again, it's not that people are going to get the way that you operate right away, 
But if you have taken the time to explain it to them, to explain how your mind works, to explain how your anxiety is triggered, how it, you know, how it shows up in your life, how you are working on it, and they still just like dismiss you and don't care and make you feel bad about it, is that the relationship that you want long term? You know, because mm -hmm. there are people out there that are going to be a lot more empathetic, that are going to be more understanding. And that doesn't mean that you need someone that is enabling you at every turn, you know, like there you need somebody who will do a gentle pushback, who will maybe notice that your anxiety is getting worse and be able to say, hey, seems like you're not doing great. Like, is there anything that we can do to maybe get you feeling better? Should we maybe go for some long walks at night? Should we make sure that we're getting to bed earlier? Because like, it seems like your sleep helps your anxiety. Like, mm -hmm. you know, that they're that they're supporting you but i don't know personally i can't imagine decades with someone who judges me for my anxiety and refuses to understand it i think the the most important word that you said in the whole of that is willingness isn't it the willingness to to listen to understand and to like you say to help put things in place uh, to try and better the relationship and obviously better the other person's mental health um, and yeah, like you say, I couldn't imagine being in decades as well with other people who who aren't there for you for, uh, in a mental health capacity. But I, I I am fearful that there is quite a few people out there like that. Um, so yeah, it, it's just like you say about taking a look at yourself, the relationship, and seeing is this what I want. Uh, the next question is: uh, Do you think it's unhealthy to start a new relationship if you've just been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder? So I talk a lot about this in the book, right? It's like, when, when are you ready for a relationship? And mm -hmm. one of the ways that you can sort of see is how are you functioning in the rest of your life? So like, are you having difficulties with your friends right now? Are you having difficulties at work? Are you not really able to enjoy things? Like if, if all of that's happening, then maybe this isn't the right time to engage in a relationship. But if it just so happens that you just happen to get this diagnosis and that means that you're actually doing better than ever because you're finally getting the help that you've needed, then I think that that's a totally fine time to take to start dating somebody. You know, you want to you want to check in on yourself and also check in on the beliefs that you have about a relationship. Right. So if you're going into a relationship and your anxiety is at a place where if somebody doesn't text you back in one hour, you will lose it. You will start viral, you will assume that they hate you, you will think that this means that you will never find love again. Like if you're noticing those kinds of thoughts as you're starting to date, maybe now's not the time. But if you recognize that you've done some work on yourself, that you're able to recognize that other people's actions aren't always a reflection of you. In fact, they often aren't. So somebody not getting back to you right away is probably somebody being busy or having poor communication skills that have nothing to do with you, you know, like sort of checking in with yourself, not just about how your anxiety is doing in your life, but also what your beliefs are about dating in this moment. Yeah, no, I think that's a wonderful answer. And like you say, there's not, there's never a, a perfect time in life, is there? Life can bring all ups and downs throughout um, your life. Um, but yeah, I, I love that um, example that you gave about the text messages. If um, obviously, if you're starting to ruminate 
on people not answering you and not getting back to you, I can see how you could spiral and it can actually increase the anxiety. And I think um, going into any new things, if you've just been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, the number one thing to do is not to um, put something or go, go into something or do something that's going to increase that anxiety. Um, I, I remember at the time when I first got diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, I was drinking a lot of coffee and that was something that would raise my anxiety at the time. And I spoke to my doctor and I said, well, should I be drinking this coffee um, because it's raising your anxiety? And he said, do you know what? Because you've just got, been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, how about we just lay off that for the time being? Uh, and I think that's really important, knowing, knowing what triggers your anxiety. So like you said about the text messages and then putting things in place to, to just help you overall and help reduce the anxiety where you can. Uh, the next question, Alison. Um, when should I, so this is someone who's in a relationship, when should I be open and tell my partner I suffer from anxiety? We've been dating for four months and I still hide it. I get that question a lot. That's actually quite a common question. Yeah, so that's like pretty much a whole chapter in my book, you know, like having <laughs> Fantastic. difficult conversations with our partners and when do we have them? How do we initiate them? It's so difficult, but you know, I think as soon as you're in a place where you're having deeper conversations about anything, where you're truly getting to know the other person, then that's the time to share. You know, so sometimes that might be on the second date. You know, if you're both 35, you're looking for a life partner, you might be having hours long dates where you're really getting into things and talking about your histories and important stuff that's happened in your life you know, other relationships are more of a slow burn. They're more casual. Like, you know, you're not really talking about things other than like work gossip or TV shows, you know, like you don't even know what their parents do or if their parents are even alive. <laughs> like, so when it's more surface level, I don't think you need to disclose. But I think as soon as you're trying to actually form a more meaningful, deeper relationship with somebody, then you should definitely feel comfortable sharing that with them. But just be thoughtful about the way in which you share and I mean that in a few different ways. So the the timing of it, like you probably don't want to disclose this kind of sensitive information at a really loud bar on a Friday night when they've had a few, mm -hmm. you know, like you want to think about on your first day. Yeah. yeah. Or like, think about like, why don't we do it on a Sunday afternoon when we're both calm, we have nowhere to go. We have time to talk about it. I'm not worried about other people overhearing. Um, and then also the way in which you disclose, right? Because if you're disclosing your anxiety diagnosis with a lot of anxiety, that person is not just taking in the content of what you're saying, they're taking in the way that you're saying it. Mm -hmm. So I talk a lot about like, you need to be in control of your disclosure and you should be disclosing from a place of I'm in charge of this information. I'm choosing to share this information with you because I like you, because I think that we're forming a relationship and I want you to know more about me instead of I'm disclosing this because it's now gonna be your problem. No, that's fantastic. So taking ownership over the situation. And also, I think um, not hold if you're hiding it because you you feel ashamed, That I think that's a bad thing, isn't it? I think uh, the reason why you're hiding it, like you say, is really important. 
Well, and if it, like you say, if it's because you're in a party or it's your first or second date, then you, I totally understand that. But if you're ashamed of the anxiety and there's some shame there, um, I think that, um, yeah, it's best to, to be open, have these conversations with your partner, because you'll start to um, realize that the more people that you open up to about your anxiety, the more stories that you can relate to, because a lot of people nowadays, especially, are going through anxiety. And it's also kind of a signal that maybe you need to do some work on your relationship with your own disorder, right? Like mm. if you're if you're really avoiding disclosing this with someone who you're obviously spending a lot of time with who you care about, that's maybe a signal that like, okay, maybe I need to do some work on accepting this. Maybe I have some self-judgment here. Maybe I, I feel really biased about this part of me that isn't serving you to be biased about. So kind of doing some work on on learning to not just like accept that but not feel shame around it like that's kind of like oops maybe i maybe there's some extra work to be done here between me and me and not just me and my new partner no that's yeah that's really good advice and the final question from the community um has a quite personal question but i'm, I'm sure you'll answer it if you feel comfortable to has anxiety ever ruined a relationship for you in the past and if so do you have any, any examples why yeah, so I definitely, again, talk about this in the book, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I had a relationship where I was, my anxiety was really out of control. I wasn't taking good care of my mental health, and my partner at the time wasn't liking that, you know, and, and he even sat me down, and he had this conversation where he was saying that my anxiety was affecting him, but at the time in my life and at my age, I got really defensive over that. I became incredibly mad. I thought, how dare you judge me for this thing that's, you know, not my fault that I've struggled to live with for years. I, I'm not proud of how I handled that. And ultimately, it led to the disillusion of our relationship. And I think that me now, I would be able to say, oh, okay, this is important information that you're telling me. This is mm -hmm. you caring enough about this relationship to tell me that I have some work that I need to do, that I don't have this thing under control that is my responsibility. And so I need to step it up. I need to like put in some more work. And my, my disclaimer or my caveat is that there are some mental health disorders and there are some extremes where you can't help yourself, right? You, you need more help than what you can provide for yourself. And, and so, but I, I focus in the book more on, on disorders and or severity levels where, you know, you don't need inpatient treatment. Um, yeah. That's kind of a different thing. So I don't want to say like everyone should just be able to handle their own mental health on their own. I don't believe that. But for me at that time, I wasn't in a place where I needed inpatient or anything like that. So I, I should have responded to his, you know, his concerns with understanding instead of the defensiveness that I think ultimately led to us breaking up. That's really interesting. And like I say, even though that relationship was a breakup, it sounds like obviously you learn a lot from that and you can use that going forward, obviously, in your new relationship, um, which is fantastic. There is another question, sorry, that I didn't uh, mention, which was, do you think it's a bad idea uh, being in a relationship if both people are anxious? Uh, good question. No, I don't think so yeah. at all. I think that, you know, it means that you're probably going to understand each other really well. You obviously 100%. don't want to 
a situation where you're exacerbating each other's anxiety, but mm. anxiety manifests so differently for everyone that it's probably likely you're anxious about different things or it shows up in different ways. And so the one thing to be really cautious about there is just making the assumption that they have the same relationship with anxiety that you do and that the mm, same that's a good point assume that, that the same coping skills will work for them just because they work for you so yeah. learning what their anxiety looks like learning how they handle it and and being okay with that instead of being like but this is how my anxiety works and therefore yours should work the same way yeah we speak about that in the community where obviously like-minded people coming together to help share each other's um tips what works for them what doesn't work for them and i think uh, anxiety recovery is about sharpening your own tools finding out what works for you and then going forward with that but like you say like you said i think your answer is perfect is that yeah two people who are anxious more can more can more than happily be in a relationship together and blossom um but like you said i think that was a really good point of just just watch out for those situations where you could be just pure uh, pouring the fuel on the anxiety um by exacerbating uh, certain situations um Alison, regarding the book, where can people get it? When is, is it out now? Um, and what platforms can they get it on? Um, just if you let everyone know, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, so it's out now. It came out on May 3rd. Um, it's, I believe, available where books are sold. Um, there's also an audiobook version through Audible. And Wonderful. I know the Strand in New York ships internationally. I think you can also get it internationally through through kindle um but then yeah like if you go to uh, workman uh if you just basically look at me i have links on my bio i've been blasting it out what's your what's your instagram handle allison uh it's just at allison raskin fantastic and just before you go i'm just going to check the questions to see if there's anything um that we um can answer just before you go So there's a few people who've actually read the book already. Um, you talked about sex in your book. Do you struggle with contamination fears uh, in that setting? If so, how do you manage it? Um, you know, it, it, with my contamination OCD, it's so varied. You know, some days I'm fine, some days I'm not. Um, I think just being able to be comfortable with a partner you know if if you are having a, a flare-up in that being able to say hey i i want to be intimate but like is it okay if we you know don't put our dirty clothes on the bed when we do it you know just be yeah. hopefully be comfortable enough with your partner to express whatever will make you feel more comfortable because i think you know for intimacy um anxiety can really ruin a lot of those moments. So being able to say what you need to say in order to get comfortable in that moment with your partner. No, I think that's a lovely answer. Um, one, if my anxiety is caused by another person, whose fault is it mine or the other person? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we shouldn't be doing a blame game, but yeah, well, what's your answer to that, Alison? That's my kind of thing. It's like, let's just change our perspective of like, yeah. Let's not think about so much about the source, but how can we handle what's happening in the feelings and how do we just best process um, how we're feeling in the moment so that we can kind of get back to a healthy baseline instead of hyper fixating on what caused it. 
Exactly. And yeah, completely agree with you. Hyperfixating on what causes it is just going to cause more anxiety. And yeah, you can't change other people's behavior, but you can change the way that you react to it. And, and we really need to focus on the things that we have control over because the things that we don't have control over, we know that that increases our anxiety, doesn't it, Alison? Definitely. <laughs> um, no, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for the interview. Um, I will obviously pop this on the feed. Um, I'll share links to the book um, and obviously all the amazing things you're doing, Alison. Is there, have you got any projects up uh, coming up in the future other than the book? Um, is there anything that you're working on? And also, where can people tune into the fantastic uh, and well-received podcast? Yeah, so I have a weekly podcast called Just Between Us that's available wherever you listen to podcasts. It's got a new episode every Wednesday. I also have a mental health-focused Instagram called Emotional Support Lady. Um, that is also a sub-stack called Emotional Support Lady where I have a weekly blog and advice column and another podcast through the sub-stack. And um, I'm working on my next book right now, but it, it's hasn't been written yet but once it is I, I will be letting everyone know where to get it <laughs> fantastic and when do you, do you think that'll be out this year or maybe next year i think um it, the deadline for the first draft is november and then i think it will come out in in 2024 ah fantastic well thank you very much allison thank you for stopping by talking to the community um congratulations on the book again i love everything that you do and yeah just can't wait to see uh, more stuff from you in the community Oh, thank you so much for having me. No problem. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.